0: The Non-Revolution of the Earth Round the Sun and on the Existence of a Summer and of a Winter Cosmic Breath Stream From a book written about 100 years ago. Copernicus put forward the hypothesis of the revolution of the Earth round the Sun in order to explain the cycle of the seasons. His theory is not very satisfactory seeing that the Earth is supposed to be at its greatest distance from the Sun in the summer during the hot weather, and at its shortest distance in the winter when the temperature is at its lowest. These unusual conditions which clearly contradict the laws of nature as regards the effects of heat, are it is said, due to the angle formed by the rays of the sun as they fall on the earth's surface. It is also stated that the opposition of the seasons north and south of the equator is due to a tilt of the earth, first on one side, and then on the other, which conveniently occurs at the right moment. Nothing is said, however, of the shifting of the waters of the sea and rivers which this change in the center of gravity and in the position of the Earth would inevitably bring twice a year. IT might also be assumed that under those conditions, very high constructions would swerve from the vertical, the American skyscrapers and the Eiffel Tower, for instance, cannot be seen to lean right or left according to the seasons, although this should be a logical and natural consequence of the alternate inclination attributed to the Earth. IT must reasonably be said that the circumstances, which readily explain in the most extraordinary and unlikely way the cause of the seasons are not credible. Especially in view of the fact that Copernicus, when he published his theories on the movement of the Earth in his Treaty on the Revolution of the Celestial Spheres IN 1543, insisted on their purely hypothetical nature. He said, the hypothesis of the movement of the Earth is only one which is useful. To explain phenomena, but IT should not be considered as an absolute truth. It was never his intention, IT seems, that his theories should be taken in earnest by his successors. The motion of the Earth in space can be disproved by a comparison between the supposed speed of the Earth and that of the other planets, if we base our considerations on the principle that a body in motion creates an apparent speed equal to its own, in bodies. IT encounters, which is usually demonstrated by the experiment of a moving vehicle, such as a train. It is difficult to judge at first sight whether it is the train or what can be seen outside which is moving away. But one fact is certain, i.e. that the two speeds, one of which is real and the other apparent, are equal. For this reason, if the Earth were in motion, it would create in the planets and constellations an initial Apparent speed equal to its own. Consequently, there can be no speed in the heavens lower than that of the Earth's, since it represents a basic speed from which the apparent motions would be derived, but as it can be seen, the displacement of the constellations and of the planets, with the exception of Mercury and Venus, is slower than the supposed speed of the Earth, which under the circumstances stated above, is a material impossibility. It should, moreover, be considered that the real speeds of the planets, have to be added to the apparent motions created by, the supposed movement of the earth, with the result, that the planets ought to pass before us like a flash, of lightning. The absence of these mathematical circumstances, which, surely, have no reason to be, invisible, ought to be sufficient to prove that the, hypothesis of the revolution of the earth round the sun as put forward by Copernicus, has no basis in fact, and is not admissible, even if such theory could not be replaced by anything more logical, as it is an entirely different and more rational explanation of the cycle of the seasons, based on a reasoned investigation of existing conditions can, however, be given, so that it will no longer be necessary to send the earth traveling into space to this end. The essential feature of the year is its division into Two equal periods of six months, based first on the. Predominating length of the days over that of the. Nights, and vice versa, conditions which are governed. By the varying hours of sunrise and sunset, and. Secondly, by the either high or low height reached by. The sun in the heavens at midday. The first cycle. During which the days are longer than the nights and. The sun reaches its culminating point of the year, extends from the spring equinox to the autumn equinox, i.e., March 21st to September 22nd, and the second cycle during which, inversely, the duration of the nights exceeds that of the days, and the sun descends to its lowest point of the year, extends from the autumn equinox to the spring equinox, i.e., September 23rd to March 20th. These two six-month periods are also characterized by an opposition to temperature. During the first cycle which corresponds to spring and summer, the heat gradually rises and falls, while during the second cycle which comprises autumn and winter, it is the intensity of the cold which progressively increases and decreases. IT might be said that it is evident that the heat of the summer and the low temperatures of the winter result from either the high or low height reached by the sun at midday and also from the alternate predominating length of the days over the nights, although IT might not be absolutely certain that the variations of temperature are entirely due to these particular circumstances. But to what reason must be attributed the variations which exist in regard to the sun's daily height and the hours at which IT rises and sets, which seem to determine the various temperatures of the year? These regular fluctuations must necessarily, have an origin, and it might be remarked that no scientific research or speculation has ever been attempted in this direction. The sun has been compared by the ancients to a chariot drawn by steeds and into a boat manned by rowers, meaning by this that it is not self-propelled. Its movement, therefore, is derived from some external power, and in that case it would appear that the variations in the height of the sun and its hours of Rising and setting are due to the passage into the impulsion of two regulating successive currents or cosmic breath streams of six months each i e of a warm increasing and decreasing breath stream prevailing from the spring equinox to the autumn equinox followed by a cold increasing and decreasing breath stream from the autumn equinox to the spring equinox, and the conclusion is that the impulsion of these two summer and winter cosmic breaths govern the height of the sun, and that they also have the effect of either advancing or retarding the hours of sunrise and sunset on which depend the respective lengths of days and nights. It is, therefore, the arrival and growing intensity of the warm summer breath stream which from March 21st, causes the sun to gradually ascend to its culminating point of the year at the June solstice, and the decreasing intensity of this same warm stream which, after the solstice, causes the height of the sun to decline steadily until the 22nd of September moment of the equinox, when the cold current sets in. At the same time, the impulse of this warm cosmic breath stream has the effect of advancing the hour of sunrise and of retarding that of sunset, so that the days become longer than the nights. On the other hand, it is the arrival and growing intensity of The cold winter breath stream about the 23rd of September, which causes the sun to further descend to its lowest point of the year at the December solstice, and the decreasing intensity of this cold breath which, after the winter solstice, causes the sun to rise again until the 21st of March when the warm breath takes over. At the same time, the cold current has the effect of retarding the hour of sunrise and of Advan. King that of sunset, whereby the nights become longer than the days. As IT can be seen, these two semi semi-annual cosmic currents or streams, warm and cold, each represent a complete breath comprising a rising phase of inspiration from the equinox to the solstice, and a falling phase of expiration from the solstice to the following equinox, and it is these two double phases of a duration of three months each, controlling the daily height of the sun and the hours of its rising and setting, which causes the four seasons. IT may be explained that the principle of the existence of cosmic breaths is not new, and that it is to be found in the cosmogonies of the Orient. IT has, here, in particular, been borrowed from a French translation of Hindu texts in which the movement of the sun was said to respond to the influence of universal breath streams. The author has adapted this theory to existing circumstances, thus permitting the specific respiratory nature of these cosmic breaths to be discovered. This fact is completely demonstrated, apart from the obvious parallel of the phases of inspiration and expiration rhythmically governing the lengths of days and nights and the height of the sun, by a comparison with another factor which is the pause existing between inspiration and expiration. This pause is precisely reproduced by the solstice which corresponds to the stoppage of the cosmic breath between the two phases. The existence of a breath governing. The movement of the sun becomes here manifest. Since the height of the ladder at midday does not vary during the solstice interval, nor do the hours of its rising and setting the respective lengths of the day and of the night remain unchanged, the sun rising and setting at the same hours for no less than five Days. IT could be added as a further proof of the existence of a cosmic breath, at the high temperatures of July and August, which are really abnormal, since IT should be cooler as they occur when the days become shorter and the height of the sun decreases. Are due to the fact that, as in the function of respiration, the pressure of the breathing out is greater towards the middle of the expiration phase, and consequently, the temperature rises. On the other hand, it is observed that the cold becomes more intense in January and February, although the days are growing longer and the decrease in the intensity of the cold. Breath is causing the sun to rise. This recrudescence of the cold is due to the same reason of pressure. Increase in the middle of the phase of expiration and the cosmic breath being cold. It follows that there is a further drop of temperature during this period from which IT can be seen that the pressure of the respective cosmic breath streams is susceptible of warming, or cooling the atmosphere as the case may be, regardless of the height of the sun, on the non-revolution of the earth round the sun. Footnote, it may be remarked that during the time of the solstices when the height of the sun at midday is stabilized for a few days either at its highest or lowest point in the heavens, man, by reflex, follows the Cosmic conditions by stopping his working activities and taking a rest. These particular moments are also the occasion of great religious Christi festivals Christmas at the winter solstice and Corpus Christi at the time of the summer solstice, which points undoubtedly to the existence of an association between the Sun and Christ. This association exists also in the case of the Easter festival of the resurrection of Christ, which in reality celebrates the solar new year. Easter takes place on the Sunday following the new moon after the spring equinox on March 21, which date marks the beginning of the spring and summer cycle of the sun, when the height of the latter at noon begins to rise over the equator according to the actual astronomical way of reckoning th and solar declination. It is also obvious that the opposition of the seasons north and south of the equator result from a corresponding opposition in the circulation of the two breaths round the earth, i.e. when the warm breath is in the northern hemisphere, the cold one is in the other, and vice versa, so that it is simultaneously summer in one part of the world and winter in the other. Thus, the warm six-month breath which commenced in the northern hemisphere at the spring equinox comes to an end at the autumn equinox about the 22nd of September, when the transposition of the warm and cold breaths takes place. The warm Breath passes in the southern hemisphere for the spring summer cycle, and at the same time, the cold breath leaving said hemisphere enters hours for the autumn winter cycle. The respective intensities of the two breaths, both at the end of their expiration phase at the moment, are thus equalized so as to permit their transposition, and at the same time, the lengths of the day and night find themselves also equalized to 12 hours each in both hemispheres it is also most probable that the atmospheric disturbances which prevail at the time of the equinoxes are due to the mutual replacement of the breaths, and to their passage in a different part of the world. It should be added, however, that in the above theory concerning the cycle of the seasons, the cosmic breaths do not act directly on the sun, but that there are intermediate circumstances which will be dealt later on with regard to the origin itself of the sun.